there is a 100% chance that your testosterone will rise while listening to this beast. Well, here we are, gentlemen. It's been about six months since our last pod, uh, and it just felt right today. I, I don't know what, it, what really got underneath me to put something in the group chat um, to make this pod, but it's been a while. Um, I've missed doing this podcast, believe it or not. And you are officially, officially listening to um, crying for information. Been a while since I've said those words. You can tell by the shaky opening that I'm nervous is the wrong word. I'm just, I'm just goosey. I'm just excited. I get goosebumps. Um, Celtics are in the finals. Po- fantasy football is around the corner. I'm just excited. Um, so just so you guys know what you're getting into. Um, going to be on our 20-minute podcast. Uh, I understand that not all of us are that into my NBA talk, so I'm keeping the NBA talk to a minimum, even though it's not going to be a ton, even though it's going to be a good amount. It's not going to be a ton. And then we're going to finish up with some fun segments, um, but I can't wait. So where do I start? I know where I start. Congratulations to Slammin' Sammy Anderson on winning the title. Um, last year kind of went kind of passed us by between COVID, between the New Year's Eve, between the 18-year, 18-week season. Um, I don't think we gave Sam enough props. Sam started off the season 0-2, and what a fucking resounding comeback. I will admit, um, sending out the $1,800 Venmo, I think it was around that. I I don't know about the exact amount. It was in the thousands, around the thousand now. to Sam, wasn't my greatest feeling to lose that money from my Venmo, but it could not have felt better to send it to someone who was deserving. Sam deserved the title last year. He drafted. He fought. He looked for trades. Constant communication in the group chat. Sam just did the things that are needed from a successful fantasy football owner. And I think we need to recognize that. It would be really easy to call Sam out on his flaws. He's tall. These aren't flaws, by the way. These are things I'm jealous of. He's blonde, banging a 10 every other weekend, or every weekend, travels, was in Fagawi, in Nantucket at Fagawi. And Sam has a lot going on for him. It's easy to pick on someone you're jealous of. But I'm, jealousy out of the window. We need to respect Sam as the champion he was last year. So Sam, congratulations. You earned the championship. You earned the trophy. It is on the way. Um, it's interesting. I'm happy I'm making this podcast. Right, reminds me that by the end of next week, the trophy will be in the mail. I will text you. We will figure out how you're going to get that trophy. But you deserve this trophy. And it's because of who you are. Handsome. Hardworking, quasi, just some adjectives that describe Sam. Um, so congrats on Sam on winning the title. Um, we don't need to revisit a ton of last year. I think the key that we have to look into our upcoming fantasy season is that don't bust a load too early. I think Dylan, Cormac, even me included here and there, we busted our loads too early. We had 130-point weeks in week three, four, five, six. That doesn't matter. What matters is how your team finishes the season. And slamming Sammy Anderson, that motherfucker deserved it. He deserved the title. 
slow start, kind of looked in the mirror, figured out his team, and he he grabbed the trophy. That's the other thing we need to mention. He didn't he didn't just end up with a trophy. He grabbed that. He took it from Dylan. He took it from Ryan. He took it from Cormac. He took it from me. He took it from the other top five owners in the league. So congratulations, Sam. I can keep on going, trying to keep this podcast brief, but you earned it, um, and that was awesome. Now, let's revisit the discussions from last season because group chat's been empty, no pods. What have we been talking about? Number one, Biggie. So regarding payments this year, I think I will come up with a hard, um, a hard stance by August. Right? I'm not sure how to handle Paygate. Ryan obviously paid. I knew it was coming. He all, I mean, the other thing that we, I haven't mentioned about Paygate that I should mention, because of Paygate, Ryan drove to Melrose and watched one of my youth football games. I appreciated that. I really appreciated that. So, um, although Paygate was disgusting, it made me look like a terrible owner, it made Ryan look like a unstable co- unstable owner it made me look like an unstable commissioner um i said owner instead of commissioner for myself the first time I'm just realizing it now um that i think we need to realize that although there were a bunch of thorns there was a rose that came with it and in the upcoming season i can't handle that though i can't handle a rose and thorns i need all fucking roses boys i need them roses like guns and roses I need a highway to hell's ACDC. I'm not good with my rock and roll. I apologize. But I need straight to the facts payments right away. Not sure about what the punishment is going to be, but there will be more information on that. Secondly, dual owners. How are we going to handle that? Carzo and Colin, dual owners. Personally, I didn't mind it that much, but I can understand why this would create a beast that we don't want to deal with. Now, looking ahead to this season, I'm okay having a couple of dual owners. But I think once we reach three ownerships that are more than dual owners, we need to talk, we need to have a deep conversation. Right now, I don't think we can get 24 guys to own. And although the payouts would be sick and all these other things, I think we should stick with having the one singular owner. Yeah, it's kind of cool having the one guy who's different in the group, but it's not cool when that guy takes over the group. Right? I mean, you might think about times when we were in college, right? I'll give you a great example, right? Having one guy from Commons over is okay. It's totally okay if that dude who's in Commons enjoys granola, he enjoys kind of skateboards, bikes, everything outdoors. It's okay to have him over once. It's okay just to have him over. But where it becomes a problem is when his boys start coming over. And before you know it, you have glitter on your front steps. Before you know it, you're eating granola. Before you know it, you're not slamming Natty Ices. You're slamming 8% beers with fancy names from Vermont. That's not okay. It's okay when there's one. It's not okay when there's a couple. So that's something we need to think about. How many dual owners do we want? How many guys do we want coming to the party with 9% mediocre taste in beers instead of the whole rack? I'll tell you what, I don't want a lot of those guys. I really do not. All right, so looking ahead, I'm okay with a couple dual owners, but I think we really need to have a conversation if it gets over three. Three teams with more than one owners is a problem. More than three teams. Three is the limit, right? Let's say next year, you know, 
Ryan, uh, I, I can't even think. Alex in grad school, he wants someone to help him out. You can have a helper. Let's say, uh, let's say we'll name that person Caleb. Let's say next year, Ryan needs some help and he lives with Liam. That's okay. But once we get past three, that is not okay. That's my take. I would love to hear your guys' response in the group me. We'll continue on from there. Another thing we need a conversation. I need to bring up. Last place punishment. Now, I think last place punishment is hard for us to talk about. Right? It's kind of like sinning. You know it can happen to you. You know you can come in last place. You know you can sin. You know it's fun to make others when they come in last place. You know it's fun to make others when they sin. But it's not fun when you're the sinner, when you're in last place. There's nothing fun about being wrong. There's nothing fun about being a loser. There is nothing fun about being the last place person in our fantasy league. So here's what I say to that. I say that at Quasi this year, the owners sit. They sit at one of those fancy picnic tables. They crack a beer. Someone opens up a bottle or whatever drink we want. And we make the final stand of the last place finisher. Because realistically, in the group chat, it's never going to get done. It never will. The group chat is just, you know, you're hiding behind your phone. It's fun to say, oh, the last place person should do this. And then you think to yourself, wait, what if I'm in last place? What if I have to drive to Canton and sit in the 24-hour sub shop for 24 straight hours? It's kind of terrifying. So I think the key with the last place punishment this year needs to be a quasi. We put our foot in the ground, we put our stake in the ground, and we say, this is a last place punishment. No more, oh, we should do this. We could do that. Maybe blah, blah. No. It's about time for accountability. This is not a track team, gentlemen. This is a fantasy football league. If we wanted to run from an issue, this would be a fantasy track team. We'd be on the track team. But we played football. We run towards the issue. We tackle the most dangerous opponent. When the ball's in our hands, we go full speed to the other end zone. We don't stop. And that's why we need to accept that someone must take the last place punishment. We must come up with the last place punishment, and we must figure out what that will be. All right. Now, it could be simple, it could be hard, but we need to figure out that last place punishment. So, thank you guys for listening so far. I think it's time for an ad um, from who else but Carzo Dental himself. Um, if you want a good smile... If you want a St. Lawrence football sweatshirt in your slideshow, sign up for Carso Dental. Now, here's how the rest of the podcast is going to go. I'm around at 10 minutes right now. Um, and what I want to add to it is that I, I have a hot and not segment. Now, I realize you guys might not be that interested in my NBA final stakes. So here's how it's going to go. I am going to release my two hottest and two, my, my hottest and my notest hot and not take. After that, we'll take a little break from that. I'll talk about the NBA Finals, and I will finish hot or not, and that will be the end of the podcast. So, hot and not. So I might receive some backlash on this photo, but I'm a leader. I'm willing to take it. What's hot? That photo Sam posted on Instagram. Him, Kevin, Ryan, Scott. Let me tell you, that was hot. I looked at that photo and I was like, holy shit. 
Kevin is a 10. Sam is the hottest blonde bombshell in New York City. Davies looks like he just ran five marathons. Forget one. His jawline is in perfect shape. And Ryan, let me tell you, Ryan always doesn't look great. Ryan looked like he was 21 years old in that photo. So that's who's hot. Now, who's not? Me! I live in Massachusetts. I'm not that far from Fagawi. I'm Emmy Nantucket. And I didn't even get the text, the conversation of, oh, you should come to Fagawi. Oh, you should come to Nantucket for that weekend, right? Realistically, it would be kind of hard for me to get there. Not like I didn't have anything this past weekend. But I understand why it could be hard to invite me. I've been coaching basketball. I've been coaching football. I work a job, right? It can be hard to get someone out there. But you know what, gentlemen who went, sometimes the invitation means more than actually going. So with that being said, maybe I'm forgotten in the Boston group. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know. But who's not hot is me, because I was not at Figawi. I was not looking hot. That happens. Now, we back to hot or not in a couple minutes. Now, to my NBA Finals take. So as you guys can imagine, I cannot wait for this NBA Finals. Right? Warriors, Celtics, an incredible bland brand of basketball from the Warriors against an incredible brand of basketball from the Celtics. So I'm going to give you guys a couple takes on the NBA Finals, what I think is going to happen, what I'm looking for, what I'll be taking notes on. Yes, I have been taking notes on the playoffs. Kind of embarrassing, but I'll admit. Now, the way I'm going to look at this, why would the Warriors win? Then we'll go over why the Celtics will win. Then we'll just do some talks. So why would the Warriors win? So I think the way the Warriors win this series is depending on how they play the last four minutes of every game. Now, if you've tuned into the Celtics recently, you have noticed that their offense in the last two minutes stagnates. What I mean by that is that you'll notice this in the Heat series especially. A double team comes to Tatum the second he passes cross court. With the ideology on defense of anyone but Tatum will shoot the shot, Marcus Smart, please take the three-pointer. Against the Heat, it worked. The Celtics blew a 13-point lead in three minutes. The Heat almost won. So why would the Warriors win, you might ask? Because they're going to double-team Tatum and force others to make winning plays. What that means for the Celtics and what that means for the Warriors is a s slower ball movement. It means, like, do I want it? I'm sure everyone in this, who's listening has played pickup basketball before. There's that moment in pickup hoops where you're wide the fuck open. And you're like, I'm that fucking guy. I'm going to shoot this through. And then the other voice in your head says to you, you're not that fucking guy. You're not going to shoot that three. And within a one second span, you have numerous thoughts going through your heads. Realistically, you just pass the ball. The problem the Celtics have, in my opinion, is they have this thought process, whether it be Marcus Smart, whether it be whoever's catching the ball on the wing, but they catch the ball wide open and they think to themselves, I can make this, and immediately have the second of doubt that they can't. What this creates is a problem with the Celtics offense. A confidence that lacks confidence and creates bad shot selections and just bad shots at the end of the game. So I think one thing we need to watch out is for the Celtics' final four minutes um, in offense in the fourth quarter. Now, another thing is the Celtics' turnover problems. The Celtics have been lazy, right? If you watch their games, they sometimes don't really move the ball incredibly well. They're lazy with the ball. And what I think could happen 
is the Warriors are the second best defense in the league. If the Celtics have a quarter, like they did in the Heat series of game one in the third quarter, if they have a quarter like that where they get outscored by 25, that's going to happen more than once. That can happen twice in a game, right? If they are lazy with the basketball and they aren't making quick decisions, kind of back to my last point, the Warriors will dominate. So you've got to understand my thinking about the series is it's the Celtics to lose and the Celtics to win. With that being said, though, I need, I need, I need to mention how incredible this Warriors team is in case you haven't watched them this year. The ball moves incredibly well on offense. On defense, they communicate. They have great switches. They're the second-ranked team in the league. But back to their offense. Man, let me tell you, when Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson are all going as one, and future Hall of Famer, I'm sorry, Mitch, I'm sorry, Draymond Green is really working that thing. He's really moving the ball. He's setting good screens. He's moving without the ball, as I mentioned. They are a dangerous offense. Now, you might say to yourself, you're a Celtics fan, oh, great. Celtics have the top-rated defense in the league. They'll stop that. Uh, uh, uh. Not so fast, my friend. Right? The Celtics play a style of defense which is known as switch heavy. What that means is they tend to switch on every cut, every possession. So, for example, let's say Andrew Wiggins sets a screen for Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry is coming around that screen to the three-point line. Commonly, what the Celtics will do is they will switch. So, let's say Marcus Smart is on Steph Curry, Jalen Brown and Andrew Wiggins... Now they have switched, Jalen Brown's on Steph Curry, and Marcus Smart's on Andrew Wiggins. That seems very, very simple. But the problem is, when you're in an offensive possession, or a defensive possession, and the offense does that 10 times in a 24-second period, the chances of you making a small switching mistake are much greater. And the one thing I fear about for the Celtics this series, and I'll call it 20 seconds of great defense, Four seconds of blah. They could come out and play the greatest 24 seconds of defense all time. But, I mean, 20 seconds of defense all time. But if they don't stay on one switch, if they're not paying attention, if a help defender does not have his foot in the paint, if hands are not up, if the fundamentals of defense are not being followed, then those 20 amazing seconds of defense the Celtics played don't mean anything. Well, Stephen Curry hits a wide open three. Klay Thompson hits a wide open three. Right? So the Celtics need to play a full 24 seconds, and we've got to realize how great the Warriors are on offense. Now, why could the Celtics win? The Celtics' defense is incredible. And the reason I bring that up after my last point is that the Warriors ranked 24th in the NBA in turnovers per game. So they had the sixth most turnovers in the NBA. If the Warriors are not smart on offense... The Celtics will take advantage. Whether it be, I mean, you look at their top eight guys, other than Daniel Tice and Peyton Pritchard, that's top nine, by the way, if we're going both those guys. Those are the only two who really, they're, they're okay defenders, they're not great defenders. If the Celtics have great defenders out there and the Warriors have their commonality of really bad turnovers, <gasps> Celtics will own this game, own this series. But I don't see that constantly happening. Um, now, the other reason the Celtics could win, sorry, my phone's pulling up, is the Tatum matchup. What I mean by that is Andrew Wiggins is not, so the way that the Celtics like to create on offense, their number one scoring play or opportunity is when Marcus Smart sets a screen for Tatum. 
What the Celtics are hoping here is that Marcus Smart's defender switches on to Jason Tatum. And now Tatum at the top of the key, so imagine Tatum is above the three-point free throw line, has Marcus Smart's original defender. If the Celtics can find a way to make the switch happen, it is AKA curtains for the Warriors. Why? Because if you can get a smaller defender on Tatum, here's what's going to happen. The South, Tatum will take the smaller defender, Curry, Thompson, Poole, to the hoop, which immediately means the help defender on the Warriors must commit to Tatum. If he commits to Tatum, wide open three-point shooter, make him asleep. If he doesn't commit to Tatum, easy layup for Tatum, that's that. Right? Another reason the Celtics could win is because the Warriors don't make the shots. Now, it seems simple. You might say, Chris, you watch all this basketball. That's such a stupid take. No. Sometimes simplicity is everything. Here's what I mean by that. If the Warriors don't shoot at their normal clip, they're only playing at most seven games, the Celtics will be able to move in transition. The Celtics' best basketball is in transition. If you watch Game 7 of the NBA Finals, you would have noticed that in the first quarter, the most dominant quarter, the Celtics played in all of that Eastern Conference Finals, they had 13 points in transition. The reason was is because they would grab a rebound, grab a steal, and push the pace. If the Warriors miss their shots, the Celtics will push the pace, which will negate the defense of the Warriors, negate the bad decision-making of the Celtics in the half court, and give the Celtics an awesome chance. Right? So for each team, those are my two keys. Obviously, I could go more in-depth about Rob Williams, Grant Williams, Al Horford, what I think the Horford-Draymond Green matchup means, what I think the Warriors will do on offense to get Poole his own looks, Curry his own looks, Thompson his own looks. We'll save that for later in the pod. This is all fantasy football. So those are my big two things. I got to say, I'm not going to bet against Celtics, obviously. I think the Celtics win this series in seven games. I think they have to win it on the road. I wouldn't be shocked if they're up 3-2 again and they blow it. So let me restate, I'm taking either Celtics in 6 or 7. I will say on this podcast, I bet the Warriors to win the title um, earlier this year. So no matter what, I will be winning money. Not a big deal. But um, I'm taking the Celtics in 6 or 7. Realistically, 7, I really want to be 6, but I think they'll blow the last game at home. Now, back to who's hot and who's not. So who's not? Is Gardner alive? Um, other than his occasional Instagram post, haven't heard a thing from the kid. He's handsome. He's cool. He's got a lot of great hobbies. He's got a lot of great friends. We'd love to hear from you more, Matt. What is hot? Ryan being abroad. Ryan is in somewhere. He was in Dublin. He might be in Italy now. But um, Ryan's abroad, which means he's in a really cheerful mood in the group chat. Um, and, yeah, so that's it. Who's not? Pants on hot days. Wore pants the other day. It was around 93 degrees. Oh, my balls sweat. It was awful. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I think we might have to retire pants that aren't Lululemon. I was wearing bonobos, by the way. Um, I think we might have to retire pants in summer in the upcoming days if it continues to be this humid. Who's hot? Nucci in responsibility. Um... Nooch has a dog. I think we should give him some shout-out for that. What I'm really interested in, and this would definitely be a topic in the season, how does Nooch handle having a dog in fantasy football? We found out Alec couldn't handle grad school in fantasy football. We found out Ryan struggled with the girlfriend. Can Nooch handle it? I don't know. We'll find out. Finally, 
Last one of the night. Who's not hot? And this will be its own segment. Ryan on his Jason Tatum takes. Now, when it comes to me and Ryan's Jason Tatum debate, here's what you must realize. I really couldn't care that much. Um, and what I mean by that is that last year, me and Ryan had a group chat conversation where Ryan called Jason Tatum not a winner. Which seemed like an absurd take considering he was only 23 years old and he had been in the NBA for four years. So I shot back and was like, dude, that is an absurd take. The guy's not going to reach the peak of his powers. He's not going to be in the prime of his stature for like five more years. Ryan didn't care. He said, I don't want a guy like that. Um, he's too much of a front runner. Uh, I, I, I don't have the group, that group chat conversation up, so I don't want to misquote things. But Ryan was like, he's not a winner. You don't be. And the point I made was, dude, you cannot get rid of this guy. He's 23 years old. He's got a lot of mistakes to make, blah, blah. And Ryan was firm on his stance of not a winner. So recently in the group chat, I decided to make a joke of, oh, Jason Tatum's a winner. Ryan, blah, 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 blah. you guys all saw it. Um, and Ryan got defensive. He couldn't handle the heat. He had to get out of the kitchen. And you know what? I understand that. He made a bad take. Ryan, just admit your take was wrong. Just admit Jason Tatum's a winner. That's all I want out of your mouth. If you just put in the group chat, Jason Tatum is a winner. He's also the winner of the Larry Bird Trophy. Um, if you just put that, the conversation's over. But because you have defiantly won to argue me, you know what? The argumentist of Chris Ryan has come out. I will argue it. I will call him a winner. And you know, it's not like the guy averages 27, 5, and 5 in the playoffs. Right? I think those are similar to Larry Bird's numbers. Right? Not a big deal. Um, I think you need to realize that it's okay to be wrong. I know I'm wrong here and there. I've had terrible predictions. I've had terrible facts. I'm wrong a lot. But sometimes you just got to mention it. Finally, who's hot? Me and my Jason Tatum picks. Told you motherfuckers he was a winner. He's a winner. Now, I will say, real conversation will come after the finals. But as I put in the group chat in February, I will post it in the group chat again. Celtics making it to the finals this year was a win. Uh, if we beat the Warriors, I'll be ecstatic. Like I said, I got a bet on both teams from earlier this year. I'm going to be winning money, but um, my Jason Tatum take is looking like a winner. So we're at about the point where I don't want you guys to listen anymore. Listen to enough of my NBA talk. You listen to enough of my hot or not. Um, I hope you guys are excited for a good fantasy football season. I hope that... Um, no, actually, pause. I hope that this year, right today, I put in the group chat, who wants to come on the podcast? Nobody responded. I hope we have people who want to come on the pod more often. All right? That is my big hope for the season. I would love to do a pod next week. I would love to have a guest. If you want to be a guest, text me. Um, but with that being said... Thank you for listening to Crying for Information. Have a wonderful day. Um, God bless. Go Celtics. And Chris, Chris is a beast. Good night.